Thanks for listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos and the PCC Multiverse. Check out more great podcasts today on one of these awesome affiliate networks. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. The Tangibound Network. Check it out. Tangiboundnetwork.com. Listen to this show, the latest episode, every time. A proud member of the Good and Geek Network. The opinions expressed are those of each individual. Check out all the other geeky podcasts over at gunnageeknetwork.com and get ready because geekiness begins in 3, 2, 1. On this week's episode, who came out big at the Golden Globes? Our picks for movies in 2019. And is Rise of the Resistance the best theme park ride ever? All this and more as we're back for a new decade and we delve into the pop culture cosmos. Welcome to the pop culture cosmos. And we're back with another episode of the pop culture cosmos. This is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source and the Lakers Fast Break and Inside Sports Fantasy Football. Thank you so much for listening to all of our great shows. But it wouldn't be a Pop Culture Cosmos into a new decade without my good friend. He is the Pokemon Master for Pop Culture Cosmos. You got to check out what he's doing today, including all the stuff he's written for popculturecosmos.wordpress.com, his great show, Topicocalypse, and of course, his book, Congratulations, you suck, which is available everywhere you get your books. It is my good friend. It is Josh Peterson. After 18 years, the streak is finally over. You know what? I wanted to be the very best that there ever was. To catch them was my true quest, and to train them was my cause. And I guess I didn't train them well enough because after 18 years, I have lost in a Pokemon battle against a gym leader. In, uh, I forget what the city's called. He looks like he's wearing a flat basketball on his head and he trains dragon Pokemon and I lost. So bummer for that. I'm just going to have to train harder, you know, come back at him next time with like, like a water type or something. We'll have to see who knows, but, uh, got my work cut out for me. And he's probably one third your age. You're over the hill, man. It's all over. I know. I know the, the tragedies of getting old. That's right. Oh, well, congratulations. You suck. But (laughs) it's a new decade of pop culture, and we cannot thank you enough for listening to us in the previous decade, and hope you will for many more episodes to come into this one. We're going to have a great episode coming up for you on today's show, including an update on the Golden Globe winners, our picks for the best and worst movies for 2019. We're going to talk a little bit about the best values right now in streaming Josh and I recently ventured out into America out there on a winter break. We uh, had different experiences. Josh was located in Texas, and I actually went to Orlando. Great place, a lot of fun, extremely crowded, and there's a lot of stuff going on there, including the new Rise of the Resistance. I will talk about my Disney World experience coming up later in the show as well. And if Rise of the Resistance, which is coming to Josh's neighborhood at Disneyland here in a couple weeks, is something that you need to go ahead and check out very soon. Plus, Josh also, during our time off, made a comment on a story that we followed at Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source in regards to an analyst speaking out on the upcoming race that's going to start later this year with the new game consoles. So we'll talk about that as well. CES Week is here, so we'll preview a little bit of that coming up later in the show. But first off, my friend, it was the Golden Globes. Before I give out some of the winners that we wanted to go ahead and quickly discuss, I wanted to go ahead and also talk to you about Ricky Gervais and your thoughts on him as a host because he let it fly, literally. And some of the jokes may have hit, some of the jokes may have missed, but they were truly going all over the place. And I'll tell you what, he obviously tried to go ahead and push that envelope, and he did so in spades, but your thoughts on on how he did. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm still laughing and reading about it right now. You know, as a as a host of an award show, he was like uh, he he was he was different. You know, he was he was different. I know he's hosted these these things before, but like 
it's like you know being at a family gathering and somebody finally snapping and getting up and saying everything that's been on their mind for the past like 20 years they've been alive that's what ricky gervais was doing at the golden globes and here's the thing that's funny about it is the fact that he just didn't care you know you could see the camera panning on tom hanks like he tom hanks looked like he's he's like taking a dump because he's so i don't know something about the the jokes must have scratched well you know probably scratched everyone the wrong way but like he had that expression on his face and Ricky Gervais watched it. He's, he's looking at it and he just, just goes, keeps going at it, keeps going for the jugular. And I, just the way that he went up there with a glass of beer, like he just did not care. He didn't care. He, he wanted, like he was actively trying to get kicked off. And a lot of the things that he's saying though, like they're, it, it's, yeah, it's offensive, but there's kind of some merit to him though. You know, like the, the whole thing about the celebrities at the award show making political statements, like, you know, I, I agree with some of the things that he was saying. Like, it's just that's just what our award shows have become. But I don't know. I I was actually kind of enamored by it. And yeah, some of the jokes were offensive. You could tell that the network wasn't ready for some of the things that he was about to say because you can see a but lot. That's of the what things. you're going to get with him. That's yeah, what yeah, you're going to get. yeah. And they knew that. I, I, that was that old saying. It's funny because it's true. A lot of the things he's saying are true. You know, it's just whether or not that was the best platform to say them. Maybe not, but uh, it. I was kind of. Uh, I could not stop watching. It's like that train wreck, you know. Like you want to get out and like help people out of the wreckage, but you just. It's so beautiful. You just can't. You just stand there and watch it happen. He was being not so politically correct in a politically correct environment. Yes. Yeah. It was just. It was fun to watch. As regards to the winners, wanted to give everybody a quick down to some of the main winners. Nineteen seventeen. A lot of people have been really on this film. I know you and I have got to go ahead and see. We both have noted that it's on our list of, of must-see movies. We just could not make it in before the end of the year. So we are going to go ahead and make an effort to see it because it did win the best drama for the Golden Globe. The best musical comedy went to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. With actors, it looks like Renee Zellweger won for Judy, playing the role of Judy Garland. And... Joaquin Phoenix, what a shock, and Joker. I, I'm not surprised at all that this happened because it was, in, in many ways, a performance film in The Joker, and it was a vehicle for, for his talents. And he's one of the most talented actors out there, and I'm not surprised that he won. Aquafina won for The Farewell for Best Actress in a Musical Comedy. Taron Edgerton won for Best Actor in a Musical or Comedy. Best Supporting Actress was Laura Dern for Barrett's Story. Brad Pitt won for supporting role in, for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. So those are the major winners. I love that Taron Egerton won a bunch one for for best performance. He because we, we've seen this before. A lot of uh, people who make their start in like comic book based films have the hardest time crawling out of that and getting recognized for actually being a good actor. So I'm kind of stoked to see him take home an award like that. For Rocket Man playing Elton John, and I'll tell you what, that is something that is is went under the radar for a little bit. Uh, obviously, the comparisons to what Rami Malek's performance, you know, as Freddie Mercury. So obviously, there was the comparisons there. But Taron Egerton did an outstanding job and has got the Golden Globe. Whether or not that's going to translate into Oscar glory, we'll have to wait and see. But still, I think overall there were some great performances, including one performance that I will mention here again in a minute that I think was better than anything I saw this year. And it is now time to go ahead and talk about our best movies of the year. We gave you an update already on the Golden Globes. So my friend, it is now time to talk about the best and the worst films of 2019 that we were able to see. Again, I think overall the, from the films that we saw as a comparison, I don't think there was as strong of a year but then again, we did not get to see all the films that we wanted to see. So we have to put that in perspective. Overall, we, you know, I think you feel the same way. You just didn't get to see all the movies that you wanted to see. So over so for us, I think it was kind of like a down year in movies overall. You know, there's a lot that I still wanted to see, but by the time I got around, like having time to see them, there were other things I wanted to watch. And I just it a lot of things that I wanted to see, I couldn't see or i forgot about so there's there's that i'm hoping to catch up on them next year but it's not obviously not going to make this year's list so there's that 
So go ahead, my friend. Of the films that you did see, which really stood out to you as your best films of 2019? Okay, so my I guess I would say my number five, I saw a Mobile Suit Gundam Narrative. Like that was the one that went back to Edwards uh, when it was in Edwards Theaters. Really enjoyed that one. Is a good I I've seen maybe three animated films this year, and that was one of them, and I did enjoy that. Uh, number four, They Shall Not Grow Old. That's the uh, World War One documentary by Peter Jackson. Man, that movie really just, it like ripped my heart out just watching, you know, they they took old footage of World War One, uh, like newsreels and stuff, and they restored them in color. And they showed like, they didn't, you know, they didn't edit out any like the the stuff that got, would get edited out in the news back then. Like it's all there, all there for you to see. And you see a lot of these guys who, you know, they, they went to war because that was like, you know, much like Americans love baseball, like war was, it was a patriotic thing for them. And they went to war and it was not what they expected it to be. And it was unorganized and it, you know, the bad leadership cost them a lot of lives and things like that. So it was a very heart wrenching film. And, uh, you know, if you're into history, I'd recommend you watch it, but I just want to warn you, it is really hard to watch. Number three, I got Alita Battle Angel. Okay, so I I really enjoyed this movie. Like I know we talked about this before. Um, I don't know. I don't. I think you're like in the middle on it. No, actually, I'm pretty high on it, as you'll hear okay. in a minute. I yeah, mean, I was kind of high on it. Again, it's a it's a weak year for movies overall, but I'm high on it enough to put it in my list somewhere. Okay, yeah, because I I really enjoyed Alita Battle Angel. It kind of uh, took the place of you know a a very dry uh sci-fi pool this year so it was kind of it was in the top of that uh really enjoyed it uh you know robert rodriguez did a great job the the animation was really cool christoph waltz was was pretty fantastic in the movie i don't know it's just a fun movie uh number two on my list i had dragon ball super brawly so that was one that uh it, they kind of re retooled the dragon ball storyline this was also in theaters uh they had uh, they brought a lot of things into canon that weren't canon before. So it's just fun, you know, as a longtime Dragon Ball fan to go through and watch this movie. My number one, obviously, is Avengers Endgame. I didn't think that it would be my number one. I was uh, totally expecting to watch a lot of things that would be better than that. But there really wasn't any, you know, I remember us, us sitting in the movie theater watching that when it came out, when we were up there out in Vegas for Level Up Expo. And like, it was just, it was a great time. Like the movie was good and the, you know, the conversations we had afterwards were really good. The podcast, like there's, there's obviously there's some things I didn't like about it, but like, it was just, it was, it was the movie event and it didn't let me down in any way. Well, that spoiler cast is still one of our largest listened to episodes, but it's funny, Josh, both you and I picked it in our top five, as far as in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but we did not pick it near the top we didn't pick it like one or two but still like you said because it's kind of like a down year for us as far as films are concerned it ends up pretty high on our list for both you and myself yeah so that is my that is my top five you know obviously you know special mentions like spider-man far from home i enjoyed how to train your dragon hidden world also pretty good shazam was entertaining it chapter two, I, I, I'm like in the middle on, but you know, those, those are all things that I, I didn't hate watching. So I guess you could, you could say that they were okay, but uh, yeah, not a lot that I like really blew me away this year. You're listening to the pop culture cosmos. Don't touch that dial. Wait, do, do people still use dials? For the latest news and information, analysis and opinions on the Los Angeles Lakers and the NBA, Check out the Lakers Fast Break podcast today on wherever you get your podcasts. I agree. There wasn't too much that blew me away as well, but I will start off with with my list. It's actually going to be a top 10. I did get a chance to see a little bit more as far as films than you did, but I can get to see quite enough because I know a lot of films that are very well thought of are still something I've got to go ahead and go out of my way to see. But let's start off with number 10, which is The Irishman. And it is something that, no, it's not a vengeance against Martin Scorsese for, you know, him saying what he did about Marvel movies. He said what he said. He's still one of the best directors of any era. Let's get that out of the way. But this film 
the th first 30 minutes are hard to watch because they tried to go ahead and do the de-aging technique. It, it just really didn't match. That first 30 minutes was really hard to watch because they tried to go ahead and de-age the major actors, all three of them. And it was just really a hard watch because of it. It also was a little bit too long, which is difficult to say because you see all these movies that are now two and a half, three hours now pushing that envelope as far as time is concerned. Some of them are able to pace it really, really well. Unfortunately, in this film, it was not paced entirely well. So there's some issues with that. But there are some really strong parts in the film when it gets to Robert De Niro, Joe Pesci, and Al Pacino. Al Pacino is a little bit too much Al Pacino and screaming everywhere, playing Jimmy Hoffa and whatnot. But Joe Pesci is so understated because he realized he's not going to out-scream Al Pacino. So he goes ahead, instead of trying to go ahead and being a screamer himself, plays a very understated role. And in doing so, I think it, it just stole the movie. He did such an outstanding job. Robert De Niro, once it gets started in the first hour, he does a really credible job. But again, it just, it drags in places. So, but there are some really good moments. And I think that puts it number 10 for me. Number nine is Toy Story 4. Very solid way to, to go out. Sporky is, is a lot of fun to watch. But I don't think they really needed to go ahead and end this. But again, it made a billion dollars. So you know what? Props to Disney for doing so. And it didn't go out on a bad note at all. Went on a really solid note. Although I think of the four Toy Story movies, I think it's probably number four for me. Alita Battle Angel is at number eight. Really solid movie. Really enjoyable. Fun to watch. Well-paced. I mean, you could you could put plot holes in there aside. I know it doesn't, you know, the source material and all that. It, there's been a lot of questions about that. And it, there's also a question whether or not there will be a sequel that's ever made for it because it's on that fringe because it made $400 million worldwide. I hope there is because I think there's a lot of potential for it. I do like the character and I thought there was enough good performances in it to make it worthwhile to see a franchise down the road for it. Number seven, I think it's going to be something that's a lot of people either which way. They'd either dislike the film or really like the film, and that's Ad Astra with Brad Pitt. It's the first Brad Pitt movie on the list here. Ad Astra, really good science fiction movie. It's maybe a little bit slow-paced at times, but I think it had a real nice concept as, as Brad Pitt went after his father, Tommy Lee Jones, to find out what was going on. The Joker comes in at number six. As I said before to you, uh, it was hard for me to describe what kind of movie it was. Uh, it was all over the place. I just think as, as more time I've thought about it, it's just a vehicle for Joaquin Phoenix to do what Joaquin Phoenix does best, and that is act. He can act. And, and I'll tell you what, for him, the entire movie is great. When it deals with other things, I think that's when the movie goes astray. Plus, at the very end, there's a twist, which really was not needed at all other than that i thought it was again a great vehicle for joaquin phoenix number five book smart book smart really good movie olivia wilde's directorial debut the girls were great and it tells a great story i thought this was actually going to be higher on my list i wanted it to be higher on my list but still has a great spot at number five once upon a time in hollywood is number four a really really good movie there's some parts in it that I thought eh, it could have been worked out a little bit better, but this is a Brad Pitt vehicle for him to really shine, and he does so. And Leonardo DiCaprio does what Leonardo, Leonardo DiCaprio does, and that he did a great job himself. But Brad Pitt stole the show. Margot Robbie really wasn't used very much in the movie, playing Sharon Tate. But that ending, uh, you got to tell me you love that ending. That last that last quarter of the movie, my friend, you got to tell me you loved it. I was laughing and also cringing at the same time. Cause that's yeah. a Tarantino, that's a Tarantino ending. It is. It is. And I, it kind of like, I, I loved how, you know, how in like old action comedies is always like the Russian who wouldn't go down without a fight. I love seeing like Brad Pitt, you know, kind of like get up and not go down without a fight. And he sticks the dog on him. It's, it was, it was cringy, but it was entertaining at the same time. Like I said, it was it was cringy, but it was really funny. Uh, it was entertaining. You know, it's controversy. I don't like the way they treated the image of Bruce Lee in the film. I really wish they would have tried to maybe get rid of that altogether. 
I thought that was kind of disrespectful. And then, you know, there's some other little nitpicky things as well. And then I know a lot of people have an issue that it's not following the shared tape murders in, in its entirety. But you know what? I like the slant that Tarantino gave it. And it, for me, it was just a, it was a good time watching. Parasite comes in at number three. The way this movie evolves and, and the family that it focuses on, it, it just is really, really good. I highly recommend it. It's going to get a lot of play. It is probably going to be the international movie of the year, but I think it, is, it stands up with any film this year, and Parasite was really a good watch. And Josh, I do recommend it with the subtitles on. I, re- I watched it without the subtitles, and then I watched it with, and I highly recommend watching it with the subtitles because it is really a good movie. Number two, Avengers Endgame. It's not the best movie for either of us in the MCU, but it it's in the top five for both of us or thereabouts, and it was a really good movie. It did drag a little bit here and there. There were some plot hole issues that were kind of troubling, and I think you can nitpick it to death if you really wanted to, but overall, I think it was just an enjoyable ride, and the way you see the the showdown with Thanos, the way that they go ahead and set that up, I think was really, really good. I enjoyed it thoroughly which to me was part of the reason why I was so unhappy with Spider-Man Far From Home, that it was just such a letdown. I think that movie should have come before Avengers Endgame, but that's a conversation we've already had, so I won't go ahead and rehash that one. And last but not least, the number one movie I saw last year, The Farewell. And that's one reason, is uh, the winner of tonight's Golden Globe, Aquafina, is the best performance I've seen this year. Better than Joaquin Phoenix, better than Brad Pitt, Aquafina delivered a hell of a performance, and uh, she, you know, she deserves every credit that she gets in Golden Globes. And you know what? It's, it's a great movie because of it. Uh, it it tells a very touching story in a really really cool way, and it, you really get into it. And I think it, like I said, it comes out uh, to me the best movie I saw of 2019. Is that how do you? Is that on Netflix or is that a like a wide release film? That was a wide release film. Uh, actually, well, not too wide release because it's a smaller, smaller film. But it is something that if you get a chance to see it on digital, I highly, highly recommend it. Okay, yeah, I'm, I'm curious about it now. Like, I didn't even know it existed until I saw it get nominated for a few things tonight. So I'm kind of interested. Yeah, it's basically the uh, the Chinese culture. The grandma has has gotten an illness, and it's she's the only she's been only given a short time to live. But she's not been told this, so she's still going about her routine and whatnot. And the whole family has to center around in, including Aquafina, who flies in from the United States to go ahead and, and be a part of the family. And you just see the way the family interacts with each other while they're still trying to deal with this issue because they don't want to go ahead and tell the matriarch of the entire family exactly what's going on. So you deal with those difficult issues, plus you see the interactions between the family and you get a great leading performance by Aquafina, who's thrust into this position that she didn't want to have, and now she becomes the center of the entire family uh, through all of it. And yeah, it's just really just a great movie. So uh, The Farewell is my best of 2019. Next week, Josh, though, we got to go ahead and cancel off the decade on next week's show and go ahead and make sure we get, give our countdown of our final list for the entire decade for films. I know a lot of people out there been asking about it so we're next week can we go ahead and get a countdown of our five or top five or ten of the decade yeah yeah it's a it's a list that's a lot longer but yeah let's do it all right so next week we're going to go ahead and count down our top 10 of the decade and then we'll be done with the decade of i don't know what do you call them 2010s we'll just call them the 2010s so we'll be done with our decade of the 2010s on next week's pop culture cosmos when we talk about our top 10 films of the last decade 2010s ladies and gentlemen you heard it here first we are coining the term all merchandise proceeds go directly to us so we talked about the best films of 2019 now it's time for the worst my friend so i want to hear your thoughts on the worst films you saw last year okay so for the worst films i saw i would have to say on that list is men in black international so that was uh, kind of disappointing. It had some visual things that were cool to watch, but it just did not, I don't know, it just nothing stuck with me. Nothing about the characters or the, it didn't feel like a Men in Black film. It felt more like a 
like an action they're trying to be an action film you know with with aliens it didn't really have that like x-files feel that the first men in black did like the moment the first men in black started you're thrown into this thing you got this cool eerie soundtrack you got um danny elfman you know you have his soundtrack on there and you see like the fly flying around and they agent k and uh, the other guy pull over the the guy transporting the people over the border and you know the aliens in there and like it had a very x-files feel to it and it didn't take itself it take itself too seriously whereas this movie didn't really have an x-files feel to it it just did not take itself seriously not just as a genre film but just as a film in general so that kind of bothered me about it my next movie i would say was triple frontier on netflix i just everyone was talking about how great that movie was going to be and i sat there and i just yeah nothing about it stuck it took me like three days to get through it just because I, I couldn't, it was boring. You know, it was, I love the actors in it. You know, I love uh, Garrett Hedlund and uh, what's the guy that plays Jax from uh, Charlie Hunman. You know, I, I always. It was a Ben Affleck in it. Ben Affleck. Like I like the people in the film. It just was not a good film. Does that make sense? That makes perfect sense, man. It just, okay. just because you have all these great actors doing the thing. This looks like, it looked like to me they were going for a payday. Yeah. Yeah. It was just, it was, I mean, I'm, I, it's cool to see like these actors from all spectrums of the film industry being together, but it just, it was not a good film. Okay. So my, where, where was I? Okay. Aladdin. That was another one that I just did not like at all. It was hard to watch. It, it felt very stale and cookie cutter. You could see the difference between Guy Ritchie's edits and the Disney edits in the movie. Like when Aladdin's jumping around the marketplace, you can see like where he did the quick cuts and kind of did the, uh, motion parts where he's following a line around and then you can see the parts where disney took those cuts and they shifted them to look all normal and stale so it just it was not it was not a good film i thought the acting in it was was okay but it just was not good you know will smith's genie was mediocre at best and it, it was just not uh, jafar the guy who played jafar i was not was not very menacing at all he just kind of bothered me uh, okay, so sorry, I can go on about that one. Um, okay, Star Wars: Rise of Skywalker. That's on my top five worst films too. That was uh, again, you know, it was nothing special. It was a, it was a film, definitely a film in 2019. Not a good film. Was not like my worst film of the year, but it just was not. Uh, it didn't wow me, you know. And as a Star Wars film, I feel like it's it's kind of that franchise's responsibility to wow me, if that makes sense. And then finally on my list here, I have Hellboy. Oh boy. Um, that was one I really, really, you know, you know, I'm a huge fan of Hellboy, huge, huge fan of Mike Manola. Uh, this is what happened instead of us getting the, the threequel we deserve to the Guillermo del Toro series. We got this, you know, David Harbour props to him. He did a, an amazing job as Hellboy. It's just this was another thing where like the people making the film had obviously never read the comic books before and and did not take any pages from like the Sam Raimi Spider-Man 3 fiasco. So wanted a lot more. And it's thanks to this film. I, it'll probably be a long, long, long time before anybody touches Hellboy in a film medium ever again. And that bums me out. Quite a stinker list you got there, my friend. Hopefully mine will match it. I'm going to start with mine from the back to the front. Six Underground just barely squeaks out on this list ahead of Rise of the Skywalker. Barely passable movie. It was Ryan Reynolds and basically Michael Bay to the 10th power. Speaking of Ryan Reynolds, Detective Pikachu is on my list of the worst movies of 2019 because really it was kind of boring. Ryan Reynolds was almost kind of muted in the fact that, you know, he just wasn't that entertaining voicing Pikachu. The story does not lend itself to adults. It is more towards kids. Speaking of kids' movies, Lego Movie 2, the second part, was really a letdown. It just might have ended the Lego Movie franchise because it was boring. I fell asleep and had to rewatch it, and then regretted I rewatched it. Glass was also on my list of the worst movies of 2019. I went to the theaters. I was so excited to see it uh, after what we saw from the first two films in this series from M. Night Shyamalan and thinking to myself, yeah, this could be great, but the thing is it fell so flat and the ending was so lame. I understand he self-funded this, him being M. Night Shyamalan, and he still, even though the movie did not meet up to a lot of financial expectations, he still made a lot of cash because it still made a 
quite a bit of money at the box office. But you know what? It could it deserved a better ending. It deserved an ending on a uh, where it was supposed to be ending. I think in the, in the, in the skyscraper battle between superheroes with with special effects and all that. And you know what? We didn't even get anything close. So that was a pretty. It was pretty slow throughout as well. I just unfortunately wasted the talents of all three: Bruce Willis, James McAvoy, and Samuel Jackson. And unfortunately, just didn't quite uh, cut the mustard for me. You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. Don't touch that dial. Wait, do do people still use dials? Rob McCallum Films is back with a vengeance. Power of Grayskull, the definitive history of He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, which chronicles the ultimate 80s billion-dollar franchise, Masters of the Universe. See exclusive interviews and hear untold stories from the people responsible for creating the world of Eternia, a place full of magic and science, and learn about the craft of creating action figures and animation. Power of Grayskull is just one of our many projects at Rob McCallum Films. Continuing my list, Shazam. What a bummer. I'll tell you what, I had such high hopes for this. It was looking like it was going to be something special, and it was just a stinker. Glad Shazam will continue, and they'll get another crack at it. I, I think Zachary Levi did a great job as Shazam, but that was the only thing about the movie I liked. Everything else really just was stink. It was just a terrible movie. It, it just he was in. He was like you said with David Harbor, great performance in a lousy movie, lousy story, lousy direction. Just, just awful. Just, just absolutely awful. Continuing my list even more, Hobbs and Shaw. Uh, just unfortunately was a side story that, again, as you've always said about the movies like this, we didn't really need. But you know what? Made over seven hundred fifty million dollars worldwide, so we might see something else from Hobbs and Shaw. This is another one of those movies like Shazam, like Glass, like some of the, these other movies. The trailer is cut really well, and the group that makes the trailer should get a promotion and a big raise for it because they make these trailers that make us want to watch it so bad, and the movie ends up like trash. X-Men Dark Phoenix was something that the trailer looked bad, the movie looked bad, and you know what? It was really bad, and unfortunately, it has killed off the X-Men franchise for Fox. We're hoping we can get better treatment next time when Marvel goes ahead and dips into the X-Men well once again. Godzilla King of the Monsters, that was just boring. Just plain boring. Just awful, awful, awful. And really boring. Don't watch it. I'm so not interested to see Godzilla versus King Kong now at this point. It's not even funny. I even walked by the Kong ride at Universal Orlando because I've just had enough. Yeah, it was just really a bad movie. And then last but not least, the movie that I li- that I least liked and I thought was the worst movie of the year, The Dead Don't Die. With Adam Driver and Bill Murray. Yeah, this movie was just awful. You and I have seen some bad zombie movies. This is a really bad zombie movie. And unfortunately, uh, it's just something that wasted two hours of my life that I'll never get back. And I cannot believe Adam Driver, who was on a hot streak and is still on a hot streak with, you know, Rise of Skywalker, which is not getting critical acclaim, but still going to do over a billion dollars. And Marriage Story, which he was nominated for a Golden Globe for, and will probably be nominated for Oscar for. This is the movie that he, well, actually, he did this one and also the one by Terry Gilliam, too, that both came out last year. And they're both going to be very forgettable performances for him because this movie was just awful. That's my list for the worst movies of the year. If you have lists out there of your own of the best and worst of 2019, send it to us. We'd love to hear your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Also, as well, Pop Culture Cosmos, Humanic Media, and Game Source on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. Before we close out the show, Rob McCallum and Tanya Candler count down CNUT's top movies of the decade in this clip from the Mouthcast. Okay, we're rolling now. Does that mean I can eat? You can eat. But watch those pickles. Oh my god. I'm doing it for a level check. <laughs> It wasn't that bad. Yeah, you didn't clip with your pickles. Pickle. Clipper. Clipper. So you want to go through the CNET's top 30 best films of the decade? Yes, I you do. You want to hear them? I do. Okay. What They're in say? reverse order, so I got to scroll down. You got you to go 31st. That's what I'm going to do. Lists are becoming a common thing on this show. Oh, yeah. So they had number 30 is Wonder Woman. I did not see it, but I did hear a lot of good things Number 29, Force Awakens. 
Great film. Mm, well, 28, Hunt for Wilder People. The Hunt for Wilder People. I've never seen that. By the director of Thor Ragnarok. Can't can't be that bad at all. 27, this is one I think that we both like. And we'll probably make it on our list once we kind of saw everything. The Witch. Oh, yeah. You had me watch that. Robert Eggers. Holy. Lighthouse is out now, too. I know. I want to see it so bad. And that movie just had me like, I couldn't breathe. The Witch, yeah. Oh, so good. Yeah, I told you. Um, 20, told you. 26, Call Me By Your Name. Just don't call me late for dinner. I don't I don't know that okay, one. Okay, no problem. 25, Annihilation, which is Alex Garland's follow-up yes. with Natalie Portman. Yes. Yeah. Annihilation, <laughs> and it was good. It was okay. Not amazing. It was good. 24, Whiplash. J.K. Simmons and um, was uh, that the, Miles Teller, the drummer. The drummer, yeah. yeah. Good film. Good film, for sure. Yeah, yeah. 23, 12 Years a Slave. That was a good movie emotional but hold was I it? didn't I didn't see it you didn't no I bawled my eyes out through that it was like one of those movies that just makes you feel everything that's happening in the film which, it, is, exactly which is exactly how I feel about this next one number 22 which is what we do in the shadows oh my god I I laughed because it made me and cried because I felt everything that was happening in the film yes <laughs> you're watching that a lot at the old house yeah while I was pregnant well, yeah. Hereditary, 21. I liked Hereditary not as much as I liked. You like Midsummer? Oh, more. Midsummer blew my head off. I just loved it so much. Yeah, Toy Story 3, number 20. Great film. Good. Cried in that. Very good. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's number, the number, number 19, Spotlight. We talked about it. Yes. <laughs> we just talked about it. Like, Why you give me that blank look? It's not called I the post. Still, I still can't get the title in my brain. Spotlight. It's like when I, it's the name of the newspaper well, column. I said to Fallon the other day, like when I look at Adam Driver, for instance, sometimes I can't see him as Kylo Ren because I've seen him take so many girls from behind. Number 18, Birdman or The Unexpected Virtue of Ignorance. Another one with Michael Keaton. Yeah. He's uh, the winning formula. He's he's kicking butt and taking names. 17, Inception. Oh, Inception Leo. Yeah. <laughs> Joseph all, Gordon-Levitt. All the stuff just folding together. 16, uh, Avengers Infinity War. You haven't I, seen it I yet. did not see it. Yeah, I got so to get, get you on the same page and watch that. I can be on your page. Okay. Got to watch that in Endgame. Now, the question is, with Disney+, Plus, we have access to every Marvel film. Do you watch them all? Spend a month watching one movie a day to get up to it. I'm not going to do that with my month. Okay. 15, The Shape of Water. A good film. Good it's a good film. It's a solid film. Very Not amazing. Lots of great things. Lots of cool things to revisit. Very good experience. Not something I want to have on all the time. No. The story was beautiful. It's not like I'm going to go re-watch this again. There are movies you can watch over and over and over and over again. Never get sick. That would not be one of them. 14 is Drive. With um, Gosling. Ryan Gosling? Yeah. yeah, that was a good film. I love his jacket. His, his white satin jacket with the scorpion on the back. It's pretty badass. Yeah. 13, The Social Network. Good flick. I Fincher. Know it. it is a good flick. You don't like Jesse Eisenberg. I don't like what he stands for. What? He's Lex Luthor. He looks like a weak kneed little crybaby. Well, in that film, he was. In that film, he Why, was. Why? Because he's Mark Zuckerberg? Yes. 12 is Moonlight. One best picture. There was the famous. Uh, best Picture Incident in 2016, where uh, they announced the Warren Beatty announced the wrong name, and then it was oh, actually yeah. Moonlight that, that came up and, and won. People are renouncing the wrong names at award shows. Seriously, my goodness, don't you have them cue cards? Eleven, her. Spike oh, Jones. that that one. Oh, I never saw it with Scarlett Johansson and Joaquin Phoenix. Again, that it it was a solid film, and in the fact that it made me feel so uncomfortable, I was just like. Oh my god, it's like, the only other feeling I can equate that I had in that movie too was like, when I was like in high school and I had a boyfriend and Ooh. my dad invited us over, like we invited, my dad invited us to watch a movie with him and... That's so weird, why would you ever say yes? I don't know, my dad didn't even live with us, my parents were divorced, but he was like, I'm gonna watch a movie with you guys and we were gonna no, watch it. We're a like, no dad, we don't want to watch a movie with you. Yeah, but I think he didn't want us to like be alone or something. So Obviously. I was, like, I was probably like 16. I've got a boy, and of course we've got like blankets over our laps, just cuddling around, honestly. And we got to watch American Psycho with my dad. How awkward and uncomfortable is that? 
So I got the same feeling when I watched her. I just, it made my skin crawl. Number 10, top 10, here we go, ready? The Master. Oh Why are you looking down on my phone, my notes? Philip Seymour Hoffman, another film you have not seen. I love that film. It, I, I, I haven't seen it. Again, and Joaquin Phoenix, but I love, Amy Adams. But I love Philip Seymour Hoffman. Yeah, he's he is a force, was. Number nine, Ex Machina. Not bad, not Rob bad. Rob McAloo on the list, boom, boom. Number eight, Black Panther. Number seven is Roma, Alfonso Cuaron's uh, film that was on Netflix that was making a lot of waves last year and it got nods across the board. Well, what was it about? It's a semi-autobiographical kind of piece shot uh, in Mexico through the 70s. Mm -hmm. Cinematography is amazing. Uh, you're already selling me. Well, it's a middle-class family, you know, that you get, kind of get to watch evolve through the eyes. I think of their housekeeper. Cool. Yeah. That I, I that that sounds interesting. A little bit like the Butler sounds like, you sounds, know. That or Cinema Verite sounds like that film too. Yeah. James Gandolfini, Diane Lane. Number six, The Favorite. You're my favorite. This is the follow-up to Killing of a Sacred Deer. Oh, and I really enjoyed that film. Yeah. I, so. We still haven't seen The Lobster. The Lobster, yeah. Yorgos Lanthimos, his director. Just stellar like film. If it's anything like The Killing of the Sacred Deer, like just absolutely, what a stellar film. Number five. This one, we, we laughed at least through the first half, and then it kind of lost steam for us. But it was still a good film. Lady Bird. Oh, yeah, totally. It just it just hit a little too close to home. But, yeah, Cerise Ronan is great in it. I love her. I loved her in The Lovely Bones. She's such a promising young actor. She has so much talent. Number four, Get Out. Okay, Jordan Peele. Yeah, it's good. Jordan Peele, great yeah. film. And everybody's trying to think, okay, what are the top three films that haven't been mentioned yeah. from the last decade? Everybody's trying to figure this out. We talked about this film as well in an unrelated context recently. At home or on podcast? At home. I'm going to give you the director's name. Hmm. Richard Linklater. Oh, is he related to Art Linklater? No. Oh. Uh, his film took a very long time to shoot. It took 12, 12 years. You don't remember what this is? No. Everybody knows what it is and they're screaming right now. Come on, say the title. Say the title. Say the right words. I can't. Boyhood. Oh my God. We literally... Yep. It's on Amazon Prime right now. Yes, it is. We literally talked about it. But that is another stellar film. Stellar. Number two. And I know you disagree with this. Or at least you're definitely going to disagree with it being the second best film in the last decade. Sorry, CNET. Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Really? The, the animated one? Yeah. Well, I can see why they put it there. Because like the animation is bananas. Like, in a good way. What did you find with the animation? I liked it. I know you liked it. Did you know that some of the characters are animated at different frame rates to emphasize their difference from where they come from? Really? Yeah. That's neat. Okay, well, I mean, Enter the Spider-Verse has that going for him. And it was beautiful. I watched it with Harrison. I thought it was a very clever way of doing a comic book movie out of the gate to have that kind of team up, kind of like an uh, internal team up, sort of, so to speak. Yeah. I mean, it, it's it's been a concept in Spider-Man lore for a, for a long time, but to see it come to Fruition. come to life like that, pretty cool. All right, number one. What is the number one film that CNET is saying for the past decade? What's it going to be? What is it? What do you think? Oh God! Can you at least give me the genre? Should I put the, the Jeopardy theme music? No, on I don't want it anymore. Action adventure. Is it action figure adventure? No. I'm joking. I'll give you another hint. It's a reboot. Ish. It's a reboot. Why do you stick ish on the end? I'm going to give you a hint and then I'm going to take it away. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I, it was never. Uh, yeah, okay. It's it's a reboot. Have you ever dangled something in a dog's face? It's a reboot. Just tell me. Charlize Theron's in it. Aeon Flux? Blonde? No. Atomic? No. The director's Australian. Snow White and the Huntsman? The director did the sequel to Babe. You're killing me. George Miller's the director. I don't know. Mad Max Fury Road. And it never occurred to me again because I never saw it. Oh, okay. Thanks for listening. Any last thoughts? Adventure 20, Retro Rags. Save you your money. If you didn't get that Christmas present you wanted, but got some Christmas money. Mm-hmm.
Avenger 20, Retro Rags Limited. Avenger 20, save your money. Spend your money, honey. Just just do it. Avenger 20, save that <laughs> money. That's Rob McCallum and Tanya Candler with the Mouthcast. You can catch episodes on the Pop Culture Cosmos channel or the Mouthcast channel wherever you get your podcasts. We'll be back to close out the show with thoughts on streaming service values, the oncoming video game console battle, and more right here on the Pop Culture Cosmos. If you need your video game fix, be sure to check out Retro City Games. Located in Town Square on Las Vegas Boulevard or in Henderson, Nevada, Retro City Games has the cure for all your video game vices. Retro games and games for current consoles, Nintendo, Sega, PlayStation, Xbox, and more. Retro City Games has all the staples from any library and some highly collectible offerings too. So pick up a few games today at Retro City Games in Town Square on Las Vegas Boulevard or in Henderson, Nevada. Retro City Games is your video game metropolis. And we're back to close out the show's The Pop Culture Cosmos. Well, I want to go ahead and go on some rapid-fire subjects before we head on out, my friend. Bill, on our break, went ahead and sent us in a letter, and I cannot thank him enough to go ahead and and take the time to write such a great letter to us as he's done before. Cannot thank him enough for doing so. Bill was talking about the values of streaming services in today's marketplace and what a value to individuals out there who don't always have the type of money to go ahead and buy everything or have the extensive cable packages or you know, like us, man. We can't afford all the cable packages. We can't afford all the 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 streaming packages in the world out there. That, As you've said before, that totals out to hundreds and hundreds of dollars. So people like us have to make a decision financially on where to go with the best value for the money in streaming. So I want to hear your thoughts, man. The three that came to mind with him that he talked about were Netflix, Disney Plus, and Amazon Prime. So I want to hear your thoughts, man, on the value of these services when it comes to Disney Plus, Amazon Prime, and Netflix. All right, so I guess I'm kind of conflicted on it because Disney Plus, I think, is a great, you know, it gives you a lot of bang for your buck, right? So if you pay, what, it's 12 bucks a month, you get Disney Plus, you get Hulu, you get ESPN. I don't care about ESPN, but I do like me some Hulu. And, um, you know, what Disney Plus lacks in original content, Hulu kind of gives you more options, right? They have movies, they have network television on there. How long those contracts are going to last, I don't know. But it just, it gives you more variety outside of, you know, your your Disney programming. Uh, that being said, like Netflix and Amazon, like they do have original content. They have things that are big shows. People want to watch Stranger Things, The Witcher, you know, The OA. Uh, it's just a, a lot of a lot of like friends shows that end up being really good. Same thing with Amazon prime, right? They got carnival row. They got the boys. Uh, they got that new one with Eddie Redmayne. There's, there's just, there's, it depends on what you want at what moment you want it. So I don't know if there's any like one specific one that's, you know, has, is going to give you the biggest bang for your buck. I think it just depends on what you want to watch at the time, you know, you want to watch it. Like for example, Disney Plus is probably the only thing, the only service that I will never cease paying for. But Netflix and Amazon Prime are things that, like, I, if I weren't using Amazon Prime, you know, for through like my dad's account, net I would be alternating back and forth between services depending on what's out and when I want to watch it. I don't know. Like, I'm this is this is really hard for me. You know, I I think yes, Disney Plus biggest bang for your buck. But again, like, there's not. There's so many other streaming services out there with so many other things to watch. So to answer your question, Disney Plus is the one that I would pick. It's the only one personally that I'm not going to ever cut you know, my subscription to. So if that answers your question, there's that. And that's a question I think a lot of people have to make or a lot of people are making at this point in time because you know, there are a lot of people out there that are actually saying, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and bite the bullet. I'm going to get Disney Plus while keeping Netflix. But then there are others making the decision to cut one and pick up the other. But then you have Amazon Prime, which, you know, for a lot of people, if you like to shop online, Amazon's usually a good place to go. You get Amazon Prime, you not only have the great programming that's there, and it is improving. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that's going out. Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, Fleabag, The Boys, Jack Ryan. Plus, you've got the Lord of the Rings series that's coming 
Then you've got The Expanse, which just came out, which has done big ratings for them. So you're getting a lot of quality shows on Amazon Prime, and it's at a price that's very affordable to people out there, and you need to stress out. Plus, it gets you the free shipping if you do a lot of shopping on Amazon. Plus, you can also keys you into other stuff if you want to go ahead into the books and the and the Kindle and the literary side of it. So Amazon Prime is a great value that shouldn't be understated. I'm now starting to see the effects of more programming and more money to being put into Amazon Prime that I was asking for, I think two, three, you know, when we even started, I was asking for Amazon Prime to go ahead and match up. It had the opportunity to really be a, a major contender and face off well against Netflix, but it took, it, it just seemed to take a back seat or just seemed to be somewhat conservative while Netflix was garnering all these viewers. And of course, with Netflix, they just throw content out of you and they just see what sticks. Whether you want an action movie, you you know stuff that's critically lauded. You've got all the stuff we talked about earlier that were up for Golden Globes. You want comedies? You got Dolomite is my name. You got the Adam Sandler stuff. There's also stand-ups that are coming on the way from big names as well. I mean, they've got a ton of stuff. They just made the deal with Nickelodeon, so it's going to be a hard choice for people out there. But what I think people should do is go ahead and look at it effectively based off your budget. I also think that switching back and forth, not tie themselves into yearly programs and just pay the extra dollar or two for having it on a shorter term. I think that's something that a lot of people need to focus on because if you want to go ahead and see the boys when season two comes out, you just want to go ahead and have Amazon Prime for the boys, then there you go. Or if you just want to have Netflix for a couple months to see whatever their programming is coming up for like, let's say, catch up on The Witcher. Or if you just wanted to check out The Mandalorian, you go ahead and get the free trial or you go ahead and get a short-term plan for that. You just got to be go ahead and be smart and investigate and look online to see what type of programming they have before you go ahead and commit to it. And if it's something that you think you want long-term, then go ahead and get the yearly plan. Otherwise, go ahead. Those short-term plans, for the most part, aren't really bad at all. All right, my friend, just before we hunt on out, a couple last things. Have you been to Orlando? I have not. I've always wanted to go down there and check out the, um, you know, the Harry Potter castle because I hear it's a lot bigger than the one that we have down here. That it uh, is. Yeah, I just I've I've heard good things. I want to get down there eventually, but no, I've never been. So tell me about it. Well, I'll tell you what. On the Universal side, they throw again. It's a lot like Netflix. They throw a lot at you as far as rise and whatnot. Kind of hit or miss, and you know they see what sticks. But the newest addition, Volcano Bay, was really great as a water park. I'll give them big props for that. When you're down there for Universal Orlando and you go ahead and you see the Harry Potter land, it's, it's a lot larger than the one in California. A lot of great things to say about that. A lot of great experiences. My girls got to ride the new Hagrid roller coaster that they just opened up. That was a lot of fun. You take the train that takes you from one land to another. If you take the Harry Potter train, that's a great experience for any Harry Potter fans out there. And yeah, it's, it's if you're really into Harry Potter, I would recommend it highly. So Universal Orlando is, especially if you're into Harry Potter, I think it's a good thing indeed. I went back in 2016 for Disney Parks and we went there. And at the time, Hollywood Studios was a distant number four experience for us. And that was because it was very small very compact, not much to do. The Star Wars was there as far as the sampling, but it really wasn't that evolved yet. A lot has changed in the three years since we've been there. And we really went there and had a great time. Star Wars Land was really a lot of fun. As you know from being an, the one in Anaheim, Smuggler's Run is okay. But as you will experience here in a couple of weeks in California, my friend, at Disneyland, I highly, highly highly recommend Rise of the Resistance, which by far and away is the best ride experience I've ever had. The only catch is, in the case of Florida, you have to go ahead and get up at 5 in the morning to go ahead and get in line to get these group passes to get you in a group because they go in groups at a time to go ahead on this ride. And sometimes you're waiting all day and there's no guarantee you'll get one. So you got to go there and get there early. We got there just at 6 o'clock, and they were already had enough groups that were tying up till 5, 6 p.m. in the evening. So we finally got on it, and it was well worth it. It is experience unlike anything I've ever 
had in my life as far as theme park ride. Uh, you know, like I, I'm going to let you experience it, and then I want you to go ahead and go on it and tell me what you think, and then we'll go ahead and give the spoilers from there because it was really something special, and I highly recommend Rise of Resistance, whether you're going into Universal Orlando or the one that's coming up here in a couple weeks at Disneyland. Before we head on out, my friend, you had a comment that you made on the PlayStation 5 and the Xbox Series X coming out later this year. An analyst uh, that made a comment that he projected that the Xbox One Series X would lose the impending battle with the PS5. And you seem to take offense to it, calling him a PlayStation fanboy. I don't think it's a reach because Xbox in any generation hasn't won yet. So what makes you think the Xbox One Series X might pull it out on top this time out? Well, look at that. I mean, they've had years. The Xbox One was was far from a success. You know, it, it's doing okay now, and it, it, it has always done okay, but it's never, like, beaten PlayStation. And just after all the comments, you know, made by the phil spencer like they they've been they've been studying the things they know what the gamers want they've been working on things like he they've always been so good to their fans and also they they're making all these promises and i'm hopeful hopefully they pull through on them i think that i i think it's unfair if someone to say oh the playstation is going to win we don't know exactly what the playstation does you know we we know it has ray tracing when it, you know for people who think that's important but it's like why why is it that you're saying something's going to to beat the Xbox when you don't really know much about either console. That's an act of fandom. That's not really not really a lot of facts there. You know, it's like anytime it comes to PlayStation versus Xbox, there's there there's so many fanboys out there for PlayStation. It's ridiculous. It doesn't matter if the Xbox plays something and the PlayStation crashes it on launch. They're still gonna be like, well, PlayStation is so much better. So I don't know. Like I'm, I don't. I have a hard time believing anyone who says that PlayStation 5 is going to outsell the the next Xbox when we don't really know much about either of them. So I'm kind of taking all these things that quote-unquote analysts are saying with a grain of salt. But still, they're analysts. So they look at past performances. And, I mean, if you're just looking at a black and white and you see in the paper what the Xbox has done comparative to the PlayStation series, whether it's the PlayStation 2, 3, 4, it doesn't matter. X- Xbox has not come out a winner, even though I've said the Xbox One was a better console than the PlayStation 4. But still, I realize what the PlayStation 4 and how it sells worldwide that Xbox has never been able to match up against. I don't think it's a stretch to say PlayStation 4 is. But yeah, it's too early to tell based off of numbers. What's the price point? I mean, there's so many various factors that you still have to consider before you go ahead and make an assumption like that. But still, at least you can say right now that if you're betting money, you would say the PlayStation would still come out on top. But until E3 comes out and all the specs or the announcements that are made and the price point, the price point is a key. I still think $400 needs to be done. If it goes $500 for a starting point for either one, I think both are kind of on the fence or a little bit in trouble. I I think $400 still has to be the, the, the entry point. Yeah, well, but I mean, like, we're basing the, the sales of new technology based on old technology, you know, that there there's so many factors that have yet to come up, you know, it's kind of like when people are saying, oh, HD DVD is going to win, oh, Blu-ray is going to win, you know, and then Blu-ray ended up winning just because that was the one that, you know, the bigger companies started to to back instead of, you know, putting money into both of them, so... It's just we don't we don't know, you know. There could be Xbox could make some like crazy announcements and like the things coming out could be awesome. There could be tech companies that are doing things exclusively for Xbox or, or vice versa. We don't know. It's just it's hard to say PlayStation Five is going to sell because PlayStation is always sold. You know, we don't know exactly what these consoles will do, how much they'll cost. There's so many unknowns that I have a hard time believing an analyst is is just purely an analyst and looking at things objectively as opposed to subjectively, there's just a lot of unknowns. So I'm having a hard time like saying, oh, well, PlayStation 5 is going out sell because that sounds like something a fanboy would say. What are your thoughts out there on the impending battle between the PS5 and the Xbox One Series X? Share us your thoughts. Popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. 
Well, my friend, it's been a great episode. Again, I will be covering CES, so I hope to start bringing you some of these great interviews starting on our Friday show. Any last thoughts on our way out, Pokemon champ? Back to the drawing board, perhaps? Back to the drawing board. So for Josh Peterson, this is Gerald Glassford. It's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the pop culture cosmos. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great day. We are the Cigar Nerds, bringing nerdy sophistication and geeky indulgence on all topics, including movies, video games, science, and pop culture news, all from the Nerd Cave Cigar Lounge. Find us on iTunes, Stitchers, Google Play, and wherever fine podcasts are found, including ESONetwork.com and CigarNerdPodcast.com. So fire up a cigar, it's time to get nerdy. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network Podcast. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping through Amazon.com or the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Tangent Bound Network. Let your voice be heard. Tangentboundnetwork.com. Thanks so much for downloading the Pop Culture Cosmos and stay tuned as more great podcasts are on the way. Thanks again for listening to us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos.